0: Hopefully you brought your Bible with you today, uh, electronically or hardback, hard copy of God's Word, and if you did not bring your Bible with you, well, we have you covered. We have the words on the screen for you as well. The title of the sermon today, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, 1 through 33, will be, Remember These Commands, Remember These Commands commands the word of the Lord says and Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them hear O Israel the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today and you shall learn them and be careful to do them the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant but with us Who are all of us uh, here alive today? The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of fire. While I stood between the Lord and you at the time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of Slavery. Lord, add your blessing to the reading of the word today. Help us to reflect upon your good commandments and help us be drawn to the cross of Calvary. And I pray it today in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. All right. So you've realized today that the bulletin doesn't look exactly the demonstration that you saw here today. May I just say that worship is not a performance? Worship is not a performance. And so sometimes the Lord will lead us in different directions as he has done here today. And we're thankful that we have a choir, and we have a worship team, we have a praise team, that we'll be obedient to the word of the Lord and be obedient to when sometimes when we need to change things up. But you'll also realize that today's sermon will deal with the Ten Commandments or what in the Hebrew language is just simply called ten words. There has been much written upon the Ten Commandments, and sometimes they are uh, some misunderstandings or some miscommunications about the Ten Commandments. We have heard everything on the spectrum from these laws were only for the Hebrew people to we need them in every public building around the world. So there are extremes on each end. It should send us a quick reminder that there is some baggage when it comes to understanding the Ten Commandments that the Lord God has given to His people. So you might be here today and asking some questions. Are these Ten Commandments for Christians? Are these commandments for Christ followers to follow today? Are they still valid? How do we see Jesus in light of the Ten Commandments? I hope to be able to answer some of these questions for you today. First, let me say this about the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, sometimes called the Decalogue, is this. They represent a holy God. They represent the nature and character of God, and that moral law will never fade away. So let's address some background issues. This is to a younger generation who has come out of the wilderness. This is 38 years separated from their time of rebellion. The place was Mount Sinai. And to the Hebrew people who had just come out of bondage in Egypt. We can read about this in Exodus chapter 20 in a way, these commandments was a clear demarcation of God's people and the pagan ideology of the Egyptians. So why is it important that they be different from the Egyptians? Why is it that they are to be different from the surrounding nations? Now, you notice that I did not say better than. Did you hear me say better than? No. Different. Not different better, but simply distinct. Israel was to be a beacon to the surrounding nations that there is only one God. He is worthy of all of our adoration and all of our worship. Now, what we know about the Egyptian culture is this. There was a high implementation of black magic, magic, curses, and it was laden with superstition. And if you follow Hebrew history, Even up to the modern time, you will find that some of this superstition had still seeped in to the culture. Now, whether you believe in magic spells and curses, that's really irrelevant to the point I would like to raise today. But they believed them, and Israel was to be different. There is only one God. He exists for His glory alone, and the people were to be a beacon pointing to Yahweh. They would wear this jewelry that they would have on, on them that would ward off evil spirits, and, uh, and, and they would even go as far as to have these, these little idols. Uh, and, and so we can kind of see this prohibition in some way in the commands that God gives to his people. We can almost see there, there's the, the, the implication of the prohibition when we find things in the commandments like no graven images or do not covet. Now, many of the spells and speeches were given by the Egyptians to try to manipulate some god or, or goddess. We see this in pagan culture all the time. They might dance around the fire that they have invoked. They might uh, have certain incantations as to, as to try to manipulate their god or goddess to, to get what they need, to get their bidding. Only in Christianity, only in following Christ do we find that God does the work and our prayer is not meant to somehow hold some incantation to get God to do what we want Him to do, but our prayers to Him is so that we can line ourselves up with God's will. And so, bringing the people out, He gives them commandments. And I want us to realize that this is not just an Old Testament ancient set of commands what can we say could be a heading of the ten commandments i believe if we were to follow the trajectory through to the to the new testament from the old we would find the apostle paul addressing the church at the at corinth in his second letter in the what we would call the sixth chapter and verse 17 paul writing to the church at corinth says these words Wherefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So if we could subtitle the Ten Commandments or the premise of the Ten Commandments, it would so that they could be separate and come out from amongst them, not touch the unclean thing, and live to the glory of God. As the Bible says, that He is holy. Be ye holy as He is Holy. Now, whether it is in Egypt or the unequally yoked unbeliever, God calls His people to be separate, not perfect. Is there anyone perfect in here? We can say my um, my Savior is not perfect, but or better than, but simply different. But see, the follower of Christ Jesus in the world that we live in, the follower of Jesus should have the fragrance of Christ on them as we are being conformed and tailored and made to His image. We should have the fragrance of Christ upon us and the love of Christ rather than the stink of the system of this world. Now much of what we learn from believers today is is how to avoid pitfalls Uh, And and so we we find this in the commands today, uh, how to avoid the pitfalls of sin and, and how to not make the same mistakes. Much of discipleship really is to grow in your faith and listen, brother, sister, don't make the same stupid mistakes that I made. And so number one, I would say to you, don't make the same mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes. And we find this in verse one and on through. Moses summons Israel to them. He says, hear, O Israel. This isn't the first or the last time that Moses will address the people in this way to uh, reiterate in Deuteronomy 6, 4, which we haven't got there yet, which is called the Shema or listen or hear, O Israel. means as they listen, they are, they are to do the word. Okay, they are to do what they have heard. Listen, O Israel, hear, hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, you shall hear, this is important, you shall learn them and be careful to do them. So what we learn, we do. What we learn, we live out. He is addressing this new generation. Already he had addressed them before concerning the law. In fact, we find this in chapter 4 and verse 1. Moses says to them, And now, O Israel, listen, hear the statutes and the rules that, that I am teaching you. Do them that you might live. God has given His command so that we might, that we, we might prosper and flourish as we worship Him and live in community one with another. His rules or His statute is not to harm us. It is not to do us harm. He is not some overbearing tyrant who has imposed some commands or rules upon us so that He might hoard His power and authority over it. No, it is so that we could worship Him with all of our heart, love Him with all of our heart, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so He says to them as He gathers them in, Hear, O Israel, He says, do you want to flourish as a human being? Do you want to flourish in this life, this idea of perpetual human flourishing? Do you want to flourish as a human? Listen and obey the words of the Lord. Do you want to look different than the decaying, falling away world, the uncertain world around you? Do you want to be different than that world? Do you you want to to look different? Do you want to sound different? Do you want to look like Jesus? Well, listen and obey the commands of our Lord. So he says, hear Oh, Israel. And by the way, this is more than just listening. It is more than just comprehending. You might understand what I'm saying today in the word. And you might say, I, I hear you, brother. You might even comprehend what I'm saying to you today as well. Oh, I know the commandments. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. You don't have to raise your hands. Just keep it to yourself, okay? I'm not here to embarrass anybody. At Exodus 20. Exodus 20 is the giving of the 10 commandments. Okay, don't have to raise your hand. How many in here can recite the 10 commandments by heart? How many can say, "I know the commandments. I know them by heart." I could say I could say that I know that I that I know them. But let me go a little bit further and say we can know them and we can listen to them, but it is putting it into practice. It's easy for me to say to you, love your enemy or forgive your brother. We would say, yes, amen, brother. I believe that 100%. I want to love my enemy. I want to forgive my brother. I have a burden for the unbeliever. I want to share the gospel that Jesus is alive and he wants to take your sin upon himself. I want to love you. But it's much more challenging practicing that in your life. And I believe if we are honest with ourselves, we would say amen. Amen. But then Moses says, I want you to learn them and be careful to do them. See, God made a covenant with us at Horeb, he says. Not with our fathers, but with us, all of us. We are are God's people. We are His chosen people. We are here alive today. We are His people. Not just for our fathers. They are dead. Their bones have been bleached in the wilderness for us. It's a good reminder, though, isn't it? That we are God's people, past, present, and future. Today we have the privilege of coming to the Father through the person of Jesus. I don't have to go there on my own. I don't have to try to approach the holiness of God in my own self. We have the advocate Jesus who does that. But we come the way of salvation the same way our mothers did, our fathers did, our grandfathers did, or. Grandmothers did, or aunts, or uncles, or whoever it might be. We come the same way of salvation that they did. It is through the sacrifice of Christ. And just so you know, this this faith is your faith. It's their faith. Your mom and dad can't save you. Grandma and grandpa can't inherit you salvation. They can't give you salvation. It is for you to answer that for for yourself. Listen, I, I hear people say this all the time. We need that good old-time religion, and I really, quite frankly, don't know what that means. Give me that old-time, you know that song? It's got a good melody, you know, and I even enjoy the song. But the fact remains, I don't want the old-time religion, I just want Jesus. And if the old-time religion means, give me Jesus, then fine. In other words, take ownership of your faith. It's not moms, it's not dads, it's not grandma, grandfather. It's, it's between you and Jesus. So here's Moses. He reminds them on Mount Sinai. And this incident there. It's recorded in Exodus 20. the Ten commandments that is given to Moses. This ten words. He spoke with Moses face to face on the mountain. Out of the midst of the fire, it says... And while I stood, he stood between the Lord and you as a mediator of sorts to declare to you the word of the Lord. You were afraid of the fire. You wouldn't go up on the mountain. And the Lord said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, out of the house of slavery. It is by his mighty hand. And anyone in here today who has ever claimed the name of Jesus, it is by his might, his righteousness, his hand. It is not of works, lest least any man should boast. So here's Moses up on Mount Sinai, Mount Horab, and the voice of the Lord could be heard. And what an absolute fearful thing it would be, this, this fearful sight it must have been to be surrounded by the presence of the Lord, this thick presence of God as the earth felt that it was, it was shaking around them. There was lightnings and a cloud and, and the glory of God shone about. Even when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the glory of the Lord had shone on his face. I would imagine the people of Israel at the time, if they had a pair of Oakleys, they would have easily put them on to shield their eyes from the glory of God. We get the freedom today to sit under the exposited word of the Lord. But you know what? The pulpit isn't going to go flying off the platform, is it? Your pews aren't going to shake There's not going to be thunder and lightning in here. There isn't going to be this audible voice from the Lord that would say, thus says the word of the Lord. But every time the word of the Lord is thought upon, taught upon, the same reverence must be held. Thus says the Lord. So it's important, men, women of God, to disciple the younger generation. This has been a theme all the way through these five chapters already. Much like what Moses said, it's not just your fathers, but it's you. We also show those in, those who are in Christ, babes in Christ, that this is your faith. You, 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 this, is, this is between you and the Lord. And we want to walk with you in your faith. We want to walk with you as you walk with Jesus. And one reason we discipline or disciple is so that they can grow in their walk with Jesus and not be duped by the many, the many things of the world, the many distractions of the world. We want to walk with you so you would not be duped, so you would not follow, so you would not stray. Another reason that we uh, disciple is so that we can keep you away from the mistakes that we have made along the way. I don't want my boys to make some dumb mistakes And the same mistakes that I made. I know that we have stories that we tell. And we often chuckle and laugh at some of the stories that I'll tell my boys. But I tell them because I don't want them making some of the same stupid mistakes in life. And we certainly want the church to thrive and not to fall into traps and the schemes of the devil. And the beautiful picture is this. As Moses is gathered with his people, so the church also gathers with her people. And here's the beautiful picture I want to relay. I want you, if you write down anything, write this down. The beautiful picture is this. It takes the whole of the church to teach the whole of the church. Did you get that? It takes the whole church to teach the whole church. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone fits in in some way. In fact, D.L. Moody, the evangelist, once said, it is better to train 10 people than to do the work of 10 people, but it is a lot harder. So, yes, there's challenges to it, as there should be. We heard heard the phrase, it takes a village. Well, I would say it takes a church, right? It takes a church. Now, Moses goes into this reminder of the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to look at those in just a moment. Before we look at them, I want you to notice some variations that are designed for this new generation. Before we look at those individual commands, I want you to notice that each set of these commands has one theme that is themed, woven through them Through them all. Jesus said it best. Jesus said it best. We know it. I hope we do. If you're a student of the word of of the Lord at any length of time, you have heard this saying, Jesus said that the whole law hinges on this. What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, spirit, your whole being, and then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And it is with this distinction I wish to look at these commands afresh. So, let's begin with loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And what lies at the heart of this command is the Lord's desire to have your whole heart, mind, soul, body, everything. He wants wants you. God will not take the back seat to any other gods or idols in your life. God wants to be preeminent. We've heard this phrase that Jesus is my co-pilot. Uh-uh. I want Jesus to be the pilot. I want him to be the pilot. I want him to drive the ship. So he is a perfectly, and notice I said perfectly, jealous God who will not share his glory with anyone or anything. Secondly, there really are no other gods. Just the ones that we articulate and make up in our mind. And the way that we form idols is very similar. We make them up. Our, our heart and our mind is a factory of idols. So here, think about this. Egypt has this, they had this pantheon or cabinet of gods, okay, and idols. So they can open it up and there on the shelf would be, there would be the, the god Ra. There would be Osiris. There would be Thoth, the god associated with writing and, and Sikmet, the goddess of the plague or uh, Silkwet, the scorpion goddess they would pray when one gets bit and has venom and so, a list goes on and on and on and so the lord reminds them what you'll have no other gods before me and you'll have no other idols before me in verse eight you have no carved images or likeness of anything that is on the heaven above the earth below water underneath the earth you will not bow down you will not serve them why i am the lord your god i am a jealous god and i would i would say on this jealous i am a perfectly jealous god Not the jealousy like us that might lead to anger and strife and sin. No, a jealous God who wants our adoration totally. And he goes on to say, visiting the iniquity of our fathers on the children in the third, fourth generation, those who hate me. So we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago in a sermon, No Graven Images or Idols. And and I highlighted the fact that we often raise idols out of almost anything in our life, even, even though that Generation had died it in the wilderness. Uh, you know, we would make idols out of anything. I can make an idol out of this pen. If I'm, a, if I'm fanatical about this Office Depot dry eraser marker, I would spend my life trying to find where where was it manufactured, what kind of ink is used in it, what kind of plastic. I can consume my life on being an Office Depot aficionado and try to figure out everything about that pen. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but so is erecting idols in the place of Jesus. And so, I would like for you to put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They were known for their occultic and paganistic practices, and unless the Lord gave them reminders and commands, they could easily be swayed back to that way of thinking. So the idea of this magic wand even originated in, in Egypt. And they would wave, wave it around and try to manipulate the elements and try to summon some powerful beings. They had these wax little figures of people that they would use like what we would associated with voodoo a voodoo doll. They would try to harm people with these little dolls and, and, and that represent people. And for them, it may have been a trinket and may have been an idol that had, that had no usage whatsoever, but it represented a God or a deity. But for us, it could be several idols, every, uh, several idols in our life that pulls our gaze from Christ who would be our all in all. And every time something stands in the place of Jesus... It is as if we are bowing down to that idol. That it is that as if we are bowing down to that idol? So Moses then reminds them that the Lord God is a jealous God. And part of the reason we passed down the word of the Lord is to break something that I consider to be generational curses or the passing down of sin. It isn't so much voodoo or hoodoo or, or whatever, or, or anything like that, or magical curses. It's a, it's a, it's a simple is as simple as this, as learning something sinful and then correcting that sinful action in future generations. You know how to break those generational curses? Is it to call a shaman? No. Is it to wave a magic wand? No. Hey, I know. Maybe we can go get some self-help books and some tapes. Will that work? The way that we correct this passing of sin, if you will, the learning of sin, the executing of sin, generational curses—we could even say—is through the person of Jesus. Because look, look at verse ten. He says, "But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." I'm reminded of Romans 5 and verse 8 that God demonstrated his love. He showed it. He manifested it. Displayed his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no greater love than that, friends. He goes on and says, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. for The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this carries so much more than just the words that we say against the Lord. Any time that we use the name of God in any way that is not worshipable, we take His name in vain. Now, to take it is, in vain is to misuse it. I think of the words of A.G. Wagner who said this about the third commandment. He said, You shall not lift up the name of Yahweh your God, your God without reason. The same would be said of the Lord Jesus Christ which is probably the most abused name there is today. Have you ever used the name of Jesus in any other way than to truly call upon him in a worshipful way? Have you ever been in a jam and you said his name irreverently? You might say, well, pastor, it's no big deal. It's just a saying. It's no big deal. Somebody let me ask you something. Do you realize that that name, Jesus is the only name under heaven in which men might be saved? Do you realize that this same Jesus, whose name you throw around like a used newspaper, is the same Jesus who created the heavens and earth? Do you understand that He is the second person of the triune Godhead, and we think that it is more suitable to use His name when we hit our finger than it is in worship? I'll let that sit right there for a moment. And we'll move on. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. This is one commandment that straddles the two. The love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as itself. It it, it, It is part of either or. This affects both our worship to the Lord and our civility with one another and how we are civil to one another. So to observe the... Sabbath day is exactly what the verse says I don't know how we get this so distorted but it says six days you shall labor and do all your work then on the seventh day you'll rest so this is a this is a setting aside for a day of rest and and worship if you work six days make sure you have a time of rest reverence and recuperation so there's three r's so if you're going to write down something else I would say this that we have a time of rest reverence and recuperation now trying to make that alliteration fit for worship reverence works, doesn't it? We have rest, worship, and recuperation. Naturally, someone would say, well, is it everyday worship? You're probably thinking that right now. Preacher, is it everyday worship? Is it everyday worship? Yes, it is. But those who raise those objections are probably always the ones who are not worshiping Jesus every day. It is just some... Way to sound super spiritual or even saintly. Preacher, shouldn't we worship the Lord every day? How was that? Was that a good accent? (laughs) Yes, we should. Then it maps out specifically for this generation. For the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord. You're not going to work. You're... Family's not going to work. Your sons are not going to work. Your, 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 your ox and your donkey's not going. They're not, you're not going to work them. The, the traveler at the gate isn't going to work. You're going to have a time of rest. And remember when the Lord Jesus, uh, of course we weren't there to see the stone rolled away, but we know what the Bible says about it. When Jesus rose again, what this did, it moved the church into a, to a, into a Sabbath, about the Sabbath being our rest in Jesus. Our rest is now in Christ. Jesus even said this about Himself that He is the the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Our rest is in Him. But the question is how do we honor the Lord's day? How do we honor the Lord's day? By making it a day of rest. Obviously, by refraining from frivolous conversation and meaningless talk, by entering into a time of teaching and fellowship, self-examination, by prayer with other Christians in church, by making it a day of spiritual refreshment and, and physical rest. And no way am I trying to make this a legalistic thing. And again, somebody would probably say, well, shouldn't we do those things every day, preacher? I don't want to make this sound legalistic, but what I mean by this is this. Just because we have an activity or a hobby on a Sunday does not mean that you are in sin. As long as we have spent time in worship and rest with the Lord. Now, you might catch me out front on a Sunday mowing my grass. I know some people have seen me mow my grass, enjoying listening to music. A time of, that's a time of rest for me. Now, mowing my ditch might mean something different. Again, much can be compared to idolatry. Is there something keeping you from worship? If so, is it keeping you from worship on the Lord's day, a Sabbath day for us? Now, all the commands are linked in some certain certain way. So if you break one, chances are you have broken the others. Now, The good thing about this is that we have Jesus Christ, who is our peace, who is our shalom. He is our peace. I'll never forget this. I remember hearing a preacher stand up on a Sunday morning, and he went on and on and on about people should be in church on Sunday and not not at work, and not at work. And to a point, I agree with it. If If you can be off on Sunday, I believe you should worship with your brothers and sisters. It gives you strength. It builds your It builds your walk with the Lord. It builds your fellowship. So I believe if you can, at all possible, meet with the believers. Again, the super spiritual, self-righteous crew would say, well, shouldn't every day be worship? Shouldn't we do this every day? Now, what makes this so hypocritical is this. After dismissal from the church, this same preacher went to the buffet and was demeaning and insulting to the staff. Okay, do you want me to be in church to worship or do you want me to work so you can enjoy your mashed potatoes and your fried chicken on Sunday? What shall it be? The point is this. There needs to be a day of the week where you have some downtime to worship and refresh. I believe the Lord made us in need of rest and he certainly made his people in need of worship. He says, you will remember that you were slaves and I brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out by a mighty hand, outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. And then then lastly, love your neighbor as yourself. So what do we have? We have love the Lord your God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. So continuing on these commands, I want you to make a note that love your neighbor is intact here. And as you love God with all of your heart, you know how you can tell when somebody doesn't is not loving the Lord God with all their heart is they don't love their neighbor as themselves. That's a good tale, right? A telltale sign. So, now, love your neighbor as yourself. In short, everyone you meet, every fellow human is your neighbor. Just so you know, this isn't some let's gather on in and let's sing kubaya by the campfire. No, this is a generic sense of love. What I mean by that is I love my brothers and sisters enough that even if we are failing, even if we are falling, even if my relationship with the Lord is straining, that one of my brothers and sisters will say, what's going on? I love you enough to admonish you, to spend some time so we can correct this. And by the way, you cannot love your neighbor with this kind of love unless Jesus changes you. You can't do it. So he moves on. He says, honor your mother and your father as the Lord commands you that your days may be long and it will go well with you in the land. Honor your father and mother that it will go well with you. Exodus 20 and verse 12. So the notion here is love, worship, and honor God will lead to loving and honoring towards your parents, towards authority. Plus, it helps shape children into people who do not despise authority. Plus, God said so. (laughs) Then he goes on in kind of this quick, uh, if you will, this giving of these commands. Well, you shall not murder. Cold-blooded, premeditated murder, taking the life of an innocent life. This verse speaks to the value of human life, the image of God. We are made in the image and likeness of God and then the importance of protecting that life at all costs and whatever we've got to do to protect that life. You shout out murder, cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Then he says you shall not commit adultery. Now, the commands are on relationships at this point. Do not have affairs. Why? For they do not honor God. It just happened. I don't know what happened. It just happened. I, I just fell onto her. I don't don't know how it just happens. There's a a course of things that happen that that build up to a certain point. Don't put yourself in those places. You know what happens when you dance too close to sin? You end up falling in it. Now, even though this command is pointing towards husband and wife relationship, it got also implied a relationship with God and his people. In short, don't go cheating on God with an idol. So let me stop here for a second and say this to our families here today, the ones who might be listening in online. And if you spent any time in ministry, any time leading in a church or teaching in a church or any way, I will tell you that you know that the enemy is working overtime trying to upset families. Working overtime trying to drive a wedge in families, especially if you are Christ followers. If the enemy can discredit your family life, discredit your home life, then he can discredit your witness for Jesus. He's working overtime. He says, you shall not steal, bear false witness, or covet your wife's, your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servants, his female servants, his ox, his donkey, his house, his bass boat, his truck. Whatever it might be, you can fill in the blank at this point. Commands were written in its immediate context to Israel. And if you want to give glory to God, follow these commands. If you want to live a healthy life, a healthy community, if you will, with your neighbor, follow these commands. Do not steal, lie, covet. And by the way, for the follower of Jesus who has been saved and who is being sanctified, the Lord will move us away from these tendencies. So let's line it up in closing. When Jesus is Lord, you will not need other idols or gods. You will want to honor him even in the way that you speak. We will not take the Lord's name in vain. When we are following Jesus close and clean, he will change your nature so you will not want to dishonor him in any way. You will want to honor him in your worship as you meet together. With other believers, you will honor his authority and you will honor authority around you as you honor Jesus. You will not want to kill cheat lie or lust over things in short Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God has made a way where these 10 Commandments are complete and seen through him I would rather stand before the Father with Jesus as my substitute than to stand before him and he check off the commands that I failed miserably to keep so yes the moral law of God never changes But through Jesus, we live them out in our lives. You shall not have any other gods or idols before me, Jesus. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Thank you, Jesus. You've kept the Sabbath day. Thank you, Jesus, for the resurrection. Honor your father and your mother. Thank you, Jesus, for guiding me to love mom and dad and guardians and authorities. You shall not murder, cheat, lie, or steal. Thank you, Jesus, for taking away the desire to live in any of these sins. Then we find from verse 22 to the end, it reminds them of this fire and cloud and darkness, this loud voice they heard, and that he had given them these commands on tables of stone, and they were fearful. He says, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and greatness. We have heard His voice. This day we have seen God speak with man, and yet we still live. Therefore, why should we die? They were fearful that this great fire would consume them. Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us, all that the Lord our God will speak to us, and we will hear it, and we will do it. The challenge is to hear the words of the Lord. Let them live out in your life as the person of Christ lives and reigns in your life. And the Holy Spirit lives in your life to keep you from these things. And so ending out in verse 33, he says, You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you might live, and that it might go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. That you possess so again these two commands i leave with you that is a summation of all of these and we know them we've said them already to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul spirit your whole being and then love your neighbor as yourself look to your right look to your left look behind you look in front of you look to the side on every angle and every degree these are your neighbors would you pray with me